Greetings, D&D players, enthusiasts, and observers alike, and welcome back to Chronicles of Kriath. My name is Emma, and I will be your DM today and every day that this wonderful campaign exists. Today, there is no campaign to dive back into because Arc 2 is over. However, uh, we are going to talk about Arc 2 today, so let's go around and reintroduce our players, shall we? So we are going to start to my right, as usual, with the person who hates starting, Rosie! <laughs> Hi, I'm Rosie, and I'm not playing Elon today. <laughs> Indeed you are not. But we move from Rosie to Andrew. Yeah, I'm Andrew. Currently, I guess, not playing Thylthu. <laughs> yes, I know, this is weird for everyone. But after Andrew, we have Jeremy! What's up, everybody? I'm Jeremy, and uh, I play Damien, though not this session, so. I suppose not. And after Jeremy, we have Nathan. Uh, you guys are all being weird. Hi, I'm Nathan, and I'm excited to talk about the campaign and the arc, and uh, I normally play Rubo on the show. Alrighty, and last but not least, we have Gia. Hi, it's me, Gia. I'm always playing Chatwin. Don't be fooled. Alrighty, yes, Chatwin is constantly living rent-free in your head, as I'm sure everyone's characters are. No, he, Rubo pays rent. <laughs> oh, he finally started, did he? I, I can't explain how it works, but... Fantastic. Well, to get us started here, I just wanted to ask really quick, how are everyone's characters feeling heading into this next arc, and how are the players feeling okay everybody on three we just you know sigh ready one two three <sighs> that's that's not accurate <laughs> this is why you don't pick me to start because i'm in i'm a, I'm a trend sender okay a what i have no idea more like troublemaker yeah that's better i set trends chia you said a trend sender <laughs> Listen, okay, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you be sending them trends. Yeah, be sending them. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll go ahead. <laughs> uh, I'm terrified. I got into a verbal altercation between God and her wife, her ex-wife. I all but called um, the God of Law and Justice a bitch to her face. And then my entire family got kidnapped. <laughs> so I'm doing phenomenal. Mental health, all-time high right now. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm sure after all the shit that got crammed into one session <laughs> that happened to Chatwin. Doing great. Uh, Chatwin, not so much. Chatwin's uh, having a terrible, terrible, terrible time and is going to snap. I don't care that much about alignment in characters. I don't let it influence how I do characters that much. But um, if I... If I cared about it more, then she would absolutely have an alignment shift. This is the day, uh, I think it was Rosie, once upon a time, who once asked us what it would take for our characters to snap and turn evil. This is this is how it happens. For anybody wanting to see Chatwin go batshit, it's going to happen. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't think it would actually happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. But yeah, that's how I'm doing. That's how, that's how Chatwin and I are doing. I kind of go off of that. Um... Elon's also kind of not doing that great, which is why he kind of actually drank. And I said that Elon refuses to drink. 
because everything kind of happened all at once and Elon's also he's not that smart uh he's just he, he just acts it so things are kind of like going pretty fast and it just happened all in boom boom back to back so here we go nice ride emma you're welcome <laughs> oh just wait till we get to the elon stuff nah i'm trying not to think about it i actually like it, you're playing a character and like you you want to know like backstory or something like say you're playing a character just doesn't remember anything oh i can't wait to know this one i really don't care Avon just wants scones from esme ah <laughs> oh, yes the scones speaking of people who forgot everything and then remembered this arc which one of the two of us yeah i was gonna say <laughs> that's a fair point <laughs> i was thinking more of the one who made the face which was andrew that's where i was oh uh, yeah um Thu, yeah, he's not, I wouldn't say he's doing bad. Like, you know, there's, there's neutral, like a step below, um, you know, the whole, oh, you know, what, what exactly is, is Horikosh is of course, God really asking him of him. And the idea that, oh, well, if, if he brought me back can he like undo that, <laughs> that came up in the conversation with Rubo. So he's, he's, yeah, he's definitely troubled, but a very, I'd say pinnacle point of changing yeah, I'm not sure. I have to know where the where the story goes and where this God War leads. Uh, me, Andrew, on the other hand, yeah, I'm just excited to see where everything goes. Well, I'm glad you're excited. That is a fair point, because I honestly didn't even, even as the DM, I didn't even think about that possibility of him just being like, oh, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that life I gave you back away. Like, that's a very scary thought that the players had that I didn't. <laughs> yeah, that's messed up. It's a, It's a scary one. Yeah, what are you going to do, Andrew? Like, what is Thelthu going to do? Well, he's going to die if he gets his life taken away from him. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, the, like, the message that he gave him was very confusing. And I understood it as, hey, you you can, if you want, go, you know, force your village to get on board with forcing the stars again. I don't really care so much about that, but more of, I took it as, there's an upcoming big problem and you're kind of like the one person who has a lot of devotion to me. So I kind of need you on my side in the upcoming whatever. So, and to answer kind of that question again, that, that Gia brought up. Yeah. If <laughs> what would turn, what would make uh, they'll do turn evil right now? If the whole Horikosh is on the wrong, wrong side of the uh, God war. <laughs> and of course that's all relative, of course, but. And that is definitely an interesting thought that we'll have to con consider going into arc three. I already know the answer to, I'm just going to throw this out there of how <laughs> Rubo goes evil is Elon dies. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. The two lovers who are crushing on each other, but are too, <laughs> too stubborn to admit it <laughs> still. Elon, I think might go evil. He won't go evil. I'm sitting here going, oh, if Hasme dies, then he'll go evil. No, he, he, he won't. He's too good of a boy. He's too good of a boy, yeah. Which we appreciate. I have a problem with playing good aligned characters, but love playing bad guys and stuff whenever I'm the DM or MC or whatever it is. I called dibs on the evil character next campaign. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. 
I love to play evil characters so much. I I, I want to play a, an evil alliance character so badly. Is everyone saying that they want an evil campaign for campaign two? I don't know. Not full chaotic evil, but you know. I mean, you guys already gave me the setting for campaign two, which we're not going to spoil, but. I'm playing an angel, so now I kind of just like, maybe next campaign I play a devil and I'm lawful evil. Lawful evil is my favorite alignment. It's, it's the greatest. I'll stand by it. I want to be an incubus. <laughs> oh, jeez. Jeremy's wife died, so he gets none into season one. So in season two, he wants some. Just fight and fuck everything. Hell yeah. Jeremy goes from the um, the good boy dad of the party to... <laughs> to the one that drags the party lower and lower. <laughs> slowly breaking your moral compass and being like, Hey... I mean, there's laws that go for this and laws that go against it. So which laws are you following? He goes from the the one that we all call dad to, oh, daddy. Oh, my God. <laughs> Disconnecting from this call. <laughs> from dad to daddy. The slogan of campaign two. <laughs> for Jeremy's character, at least. But Nathan, you were talking about how you and Rubo are feeling. No, I was just, uh, I, I didn't really mention, but I, I can mention <laughs> stressed, which uh, is highly upsetting because that's uh, Nathan's general state of being. So now I get to live that in my head. Well, I, I didn't mean to make Nathan stressed. No, I'm not. I'm not actually stressed about the game, but the idea of going back to where Rubo's from with the backstory stuff that really hasn't come out possibly coming up is stressful in a good way it'll be fun to play D in it but it doesn't mean that i'm excited for it to actually happen okay. this was cool like stuff to come up like it was like definitely crazy and like kind of shocking in a way but like the next part's like oh i gotta i gotta face this yeah i i love how you're all realizing now that i'm going to make you face the consequences of the backstories you gave me <laughs> uh, actually i don't have backstory anymore i got rid of it it's a little late for that one, Nathan. <laughs> there, there are names that will be coming up once you get back to the Howling Dunes. I've never heard of, uh, never heard of the, these dunes. Whatever you say. I feel like Rubo will go with this group anywhere they they need to or want to go. Chatwin's his buddy, and he's not going to leave Chatwin to go deal with all this by herself or anything. That is fair. By the end of it, Rubo might be checking himself into a sanatorium. <laughs> No, 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 no. <laughs> that, that is not the sanatorium that you want to check into, my friend. <laughs> You'll see what it's about. Oh, yeah. You guys will see once we, once we get in there. But before that happens, Jeremy, we haven't really heard from you on how you and Damien are feeling. I'm feeling pretty good and tired. But then again, I have two kids. So that's reasonable. But... <laughs> Damien is concerned for most of the party. One, Elon let loose in a disturbing way uh, with his let's go fuck shit up type attitude, which doesn't fit him at all. Um, Dale, who seems rather down, Chatwin is panicking, and Damien doesn't know how to hold all, how to like help anyone, so he's very concerned. <laughs> His one attempt at lightening the mood by getting everyone drunk backfired when Elon went full like Chad. 
You're welcome. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. That that was very interesting. I did not expect Alon at any point during this campaign. From all the talk that Rosie and I have had about Alon and his personality, I did not expect Alon to drink during this campaign. So that was a wonderful <laughs> surprise. So there was a part where literally like when we were in the car and it was kind of coming out the Thelthu was like you know undead and it was obviously also Chatwin and Elon was stupid and also I was stupid and I zoned the fuck out and I'm like okay I don't Elon wouldn't listen he's near he's, he's near horses they're allowed let's try not to listen because I'd rather them at least chat one to say something first and you know just kind of keep that privacy because he's good at shutting up because that's his job so when everything's kind of thrown at you at once that was kind of like you know force fed of this is in fact real and it was like okay you know i can deal with that and then <laughs> Rulo did some fucking intense stuff we don't know i don't think we know exactly how he did it, it just everything kind of coming up and then Everything also with with Faithrin and shit like that. It's just he needed a drink, okay? <laughs> he needed one. It's okay. He needed to let loose, and he did. He definitely did. Yeah. But also, I realized that once we got off of that call, because I was like very in the mood. I was like, "Why am I like this?" And I'm like, "Oh, I'm fucking exhausted." So apologies. You are good, but. Now I have a question for specifically Rubo and Elon. When the hell do you guys think that you're gonna like actually talk about your feelings? Never. That was the thought I was having too. Like I know you guys are men and men don't don't talk about their feelings, which is absolute bullshit, but Okay, let me let me kind of counter this with uh with Elon, okay? Um what are you talking about? Rubo does know what you're talking about, but he is not going to talk about it. Elon has zero clue, I think. I feel like Rosie has played Elon to a very well where Elon still has no idea what's happening. Mm-mm. None. Even it, I feel like even if Elon like has a spark of feelings for Rubo, he doesn't know what that even means because it's like not even a thing that can process in his mind yet. Well, I also I had to ask him, um, like, what was my dating life? like back in Kriath and it was kind of crappy so you know and then also you gotta uh, he's still getting used to you know hey it doesn't have to be just uh it doesn't have to be just man and woman so I think it's gonna be interesting to develop where it actually goes and I think that like it hasn't come up a lot but I'm pretty sure even if Elon turned and was like I love you right now let's be together uh rubo would just panic like he's (laughs) he's not actually prepared for a relationship like not even just a relationship but i think that he is enjoying the 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 playfulness of it first before he just just jumps head first and he still has some shit to work out which intent might get worked out in this next arc but before he probably would even be willing to get into some sort of a relationship so far, I feel like everything he'd done would have been, like, stuff in a locker room for Elon. Oh, for sure. Like, especially, you know, the stuff in the water, is, is, as gay as that was. Um, 
my favorite moment of the podcast so far it it just you know that's locker room stuff you know i think it's also like the very locker room of a two individuals that are like still a little bit unsure of what their sexuality is and like yeah because i feel like for sure uh rubo doesn't view gender as something that defines that but he's still like been with women because that's just like what you see so like that's been a like a primary focus for him so i don't think he like he had like at least in my like what i have kind of thought of him i don't believe he would have ever been with been with a man he may be attracted to them but he's never done it so it's kind of like okay well i do like this i know i like this but it's still a little weird for him that's surprising it is definitely an interesting point and jumping off of the favorite moment of the podcast thing what has everyone's favorite moment of the podcast been so far? This is so gay and dumb. hundred percent. That's <laughs> my favorite line of the podcast. Oh yeah. That was a, that was a great moment. Literally just, just, this is so gay and dumb and it was so funny and it's going to be hard to beat. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of what my favorite moment would be. I mean, my favorite moments are when Chapman goes apeshit. Uh, like she hasn't I don't I feel like she hasn't truly snapped yet um so whenever that happens probably that will be my favorite moment but the closest I can get to that is probably Sandovec taking over Chatwin for the first time in a while and doing it in front of strangers uh, essentially at that time and then having to just be like we're all gonna ignore that afterwards I enjoyed that I enjoyed being the voice in the head <laughs> For once, I enjoyed seeing the other side of things. It was great. Terrifying. That was definitely a really interesting one. And I loved how we, because I ended up editing that episode. I love how we came together and did like the stuff afterwards. Oh my God. Yeah. All the lines I had to. Mm-hmm. But hearing <laughs> it in the episode after it happened, it was so good. It was so worth it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like shivers down my spine every time I listen to like the clip from that one where she's talking to Damien that we put on social media. Just like immediate shivers when like the voices overlap. And it's like you can hear the differences in the tone, but at the same time, like you can clearly tell there's two voices there. And it's like, oh, I think it's great. It came out so good. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fun, because I definitely want to get more of that horror factor of Chatwin in there. Based on certain things that are happening, I have ideas that I'm going to share with you. Oh boy, I'm excited. <laughs> please, please don't do it. I have to do all that stuff now. Please. <laughs> please. <laughs> don't worry, it won't require any editing on your part. It's just some fun character stuff. That's, that's fair, fair. Okay, great. <laughs> Andrew, you were saying something? Yeah, I was going to answer the question. I think... My favorite moment so far was that scene on the cart where everything came to light about the Reborns. I just think that was an interesting moment that set the stage and then not brushed aside, but the greater, like everyone then split afterwards, not immediately, but in terms of moments. So then we each went to a different God and then there was like a lot of tension. Then it it lessened and then it got worse in a different way. And it, I feel like hasn't fully resolved, but I don't know if it needs to, which is, I think, the good outcome. <laughs> um, but personally, was um, Thalthu's meeting with Horakash, I think, was 
at least in characters, <laughs> the biggest moment, which I think is pretty self-explanatory. That was a really awesome moment, especially like Felthy's been so sure of his faith this entire time and hearing that sort of like concern and confusion in his voice as he was talking to the god that is the object of that faith was definitely really interesting for me. Yeah, it just, you know, goes to say the old adage of don't meet your heroes. In this case, don't meet your gods. (laughs) Don't meet your gods. Amazing. Jeremy? I don't know. I would say like my person, I'm trying to think of Damien's favorite moment, but my personal favorite moment was when Chatwin was like, fuck this and sprinted at that temple and the events that ensued afterwards. I don't know. I think Damien's favorite moment would be when Chatwin started to open up to him a bit. And agreed to like answer questions and stuff, but not a whole lot exciting happening on Family Man's like you know <laughs> list. Oh, we'll get there. No, we won't. <laughs> you thought the um, the moment in the tower was all that Damien was gonna get. <laughs> you hurt my kids. Damien is gonna go fucking psycho. Understood. <laughs> Let's all be villains. Let's all become god slayers. Those guys kind of suck. <laughs> I don't. I don't particularly like any Yo, of them. Yo, I, I was one of these guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just saying. Just saying. If if Damien gets to level fifteen and you kill off his kids, it's gonna be really hard to kill that motherfucker. And he's gonna essentially have the ability to pull someone from thirty feet to him. <laughs> just start smashing fucking skulls in. Oh, shit. Get over here. That's not terrifying at all. Yeah, especially because he's a sentinel. Get fucked. Oh, yeah. All right. We have one more person that hasn't answered the question, and then I will give my answer, because I do have a favorite moment, but Rosie. Oh, it was me. Fuck. I'm so sorry. Okay, Avon's favorite part is easy. It was Toya's boat. (laughs) Toya's boat has got it going on. That would be Elon's favorite. My favorite's not. I'm kind of along the same lines of Jeremy. I'm not really sure where my favorite part was. And it might just be a collective of us just saying these horses are going to (laughs) die. Because it always gets to me. Wait, when was this said? We've been saying it for a while that like these horses are going to die. Yeah. We can't take them on. We had to take a boat all the way to the Howling Dunes. We can't take them with us, right? There's no way. I mean, you could you could take a horse on a boat. It's more of if we're gonna get attacked one day and if they're gonna live through it. Or Sugar Cube did already almost die. Yeah, Sugar Cube got stabbed <laughs> in the shoulder by Filthy. Filthy, why do you gotta why do you gotta talk to them? Now we're gonna feel guilty when they do inevitably die. I mean, <laughs> death is a part of life. They will turn to stardust. It's fine. Or we just sell them and go on our boat and we don't have to worry about it. Honestly, we probably should sell them for, for like passage because we don't have a lot of money. Yeah. To be fair, um, I mean, we we also kind of pushed Thelthu to talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was going to initially anyway. Like that was that was my one thing. I was like, oh, I can do this at the farm. <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely an interesting moment, especially like, the farmers who were just like, you can talk to horses. <laughs> what sort of sorcery is this? He's a witch, Burnham. A, a druid, thank you very much. 
I guess barely. <laughs> yeah. He definitely gives off more cleric vibes, but... Which is more of the reason I've also been putting all my points into cleric. But I'm probably going to stop next level, I think. Hmm. From both roleplay and after levels. Like, what, level 8, you get whatever divine strike, which is useless when I don't use weapons. That's true. Actually, I, I have a question because I'm actually not that used to, I guess, clerics or anything. Like, what happens if you just stop, I guess, believing or will celebrating Horikosh? What happens? Does it switch? Can you can you switch? Does it you just stop using those levels? Like, what I happens? have to double check the reading of cleric, but I know certain classes like I know Warlock for sure can lose it. I don't know how it is for divine casters. We would have to double check that because i know in a game that i played in the past that jeremy dm'd my paladin lost his gods they died so it wasn't really the same situation but jeremy made me take a journey with the character and essentially rediscover like what it was that he believed in and he ended up regaining the power through his own belief in like the the ideals of the gods rather than the gods themselves, which was really interesting. <laughs> you became your own god, essentially. I you did. just believe in your the the message was you have to believe in yourself. Yes, and that is still one of my favorite characters I've ever played to date. So it it's also more of the belief in the primordial forces behind those gods rather than just blindly believing in gods especially one that had become corrupt that is fair but that is definitely an interesting thought that i will hope that we explore with delthu a little more it depends on where the god storyline takes us i suppose i suppose so but really quick before we uh move on to any other discussion uh, I wanted to circle back to my favorite moment because honestly, like it was more because this has never happened for me before, but the moment that Jeremy broke character and went, God, you're evil. I hate you. Yes. Was fantastic. That is still one of my proudest moments as a DM because I've never been able to do that with literally like any other campaign I've run, I've never been able to like blow someone's mind like that. So achievement unlocked. So you made my husband cry. Yes. And I felt very, Emma felt very bad about that. We were telling you, nah, good job. <laughs> the DM in you was like, yeah, exactly. The DM side of me was very happy. The person side of me was like, I made my friend cry. Shit. No. <laughs> that was not the intention. But it was such a great moment, though. I can't be that upset about it. Anyway, since I am actually out of questions, since we talked about the... Oh, wait. Who didn't talk about why their character would go evil? I feel like everyone kind of circled to that one except for Jeremy. I did. I said, you killed my kids. He's going to go fucking batshit. That's fair. Yep. Well, yes, uh, I'm sure that if you killed Jeremy's kids, he would go batshit. But also, Damien. You lay a hand on my children's heads, and I'm going to kill people. And I'm going to enjoy it. What about Felthu? 
I don't. Did, did we answer that? Did yeah. you answer that, Andrew? It, I mean, in terms of uh, evil, good, it's all relative to me, especially to me in D anD D. But yeah, if if they'll do well to me, evil in this scenario would be they'll do betray, like going against the party, and that would only probably occur if his god was like on one side versus everyone else on the other. Uh so it's not necessarily good or evil, but I get it. I get it. Oh, okay. I mean, that's another thing I can get into. That's a not pet peeve, but a thing I've come to realize in D and D with the alignment system, it works. But it's what is evil and what is good is the moral question of it all. I don't think I ever decided an alignment actually for rebel. To be fair, I think alignment only matters when it comes to like magic items, like. The one I had in the other game where if you, um, the nightmare, where if you wrote it and you were good aligns, then it would transport you to another realm. Um, like in magic items like that, where it depends on your alignment in terms of like curses or effects of a magic item. I think that's the only situation in which alignment matters mechanically. Roleplay wise, I honestly, I don't really believe in alignment that much, but it's fun sometimes to be like, oh, my alignment is like lawful evil. But I don't think it matters as much mechanically, um, roleplay-wise, as it does mechanically. Yeah, I, I see alignment personally as like a two grayscales side by side that are always adjusting and flowing with the way that the characters act and portray themselves. Right. So I think that sticking hard to a single alignment is almost impossible. And I'll, I'll make a really quick comment because I don't want to say too much, but this may sound odd. I'll circle it back. Hold on. I played a game recently where it, it the setting is kind of Roman. You, you as a future character goes to the Roman times and it's basically uh, they have something called a golden rule, which is you are not allowed to sin against anybody or everybody will be turned to gold. Um, so the sin of one is for many or whatever. And at that point they had to discuss, well, what is a sin? And they were saying, oh, well, don't lie. But you could absolutely lie in that game. And it, it kind of really does bring up like a question of what is a sin and what is your morality and things like that? And what is right and wrong? What was right to us might be, you know, wrong to another culture or something like that. So it's kind of an iffy gray line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting thought because, like, I, I will readily admit, I told these guys that they weren't allowed to make evil-aligned characters when I started. I now think that that was a mistake, mainly because so context for that rule. I've played with people in the past that have abused it to just say that because I am evil-aligned, I will go off and do whatever the fuck I want and I'm going to blame it all on my alignment so that I can ruin other people's fun. And that is more why I have instilled that rule at my table because I worry about that. But I now, 30-some sessions in with these guys, no, I don't really have to worry about that with them. Because, like, Gia, you've touched on the fact that, like, if I had allowed it, Chatwin would be like lawful evil alignment technically correct yes which i definitely think fits for her but you also haven't really ruined the fun of anyone if anything it's brought out like an interesting tension in the party that always kind of resolves itself still like there is still work from the player to resolve that tension even though it's introduced it's not like you're just 
killing and looting everybody and just being like, oh, I'm evil, so I would do that. Yeah, and that's not a... If you're playing any type of evil character and you're just killing and looting and doing whatever the hell and not making it so everybody else isn't having fun, that's not you playing to your character. That's just you being an asshole at the table. You can still play an evil aligned character and make it so everyone is still having fun and you're still working with the party and everything. Like, it can be done. It's maybe a little harder, depending if you want to come in with, like, a chaotic evil player in a world full of neutral lawful good. But it's... You just have to make sure everybody else is having fun, too. That's the point. Absolutely. Hot takes on... How D&D tables should be run. <laughs> That's what happens when you have a full table of DMs. Yes. <laughs> this is literally a full table of DMs, which is wonderful. I, I, I haven't really chimed in, but I I have very strong feelings on how D&D tables and games should be ran, especially with being the DM and being the facilitator of everyone. It, I think that stuff's very important. So, um, But it, it, it all goes with trust. Like, there's... A lot of things I would do in uh, like my Saturday game that Gia plays in and Emma used to play in um, because we all have a very large level of comfort with each other that I would never do at like a LGS and show up and meet a bunch of random people and say and do. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Andrew, were you going to say something? Oh, I was going to comment more about the lawful evil, but we moved on. (laughs) Well, it's all right. We can circle back. I mean, I was just going to say it's with anything else. It's just, I mean, I guess, it, I guess it does relate to the whole DM thing. Yeah. As Nathan said, it's trust. And as long as you act as a character, not a murderous, chaotic, evil, like loot goblin, so to speak, like anything works. Um, and I was, I've been playing the newest newer Pathfinder game that has the hell knights in them. And it's like, yeah, they're lawful evil, but they're on the side of good. Just, it's just, I think also Pathfinder has a slightly different take. Maybe I also am not super well versed in D and D's, uh, alignment but i know they're somewhat similar i think either way it's interesting to see like you know you have neutral good and then it's like well awful evil doesn't have to be evil so to speak it's just it's yeah as kind of jeremy said it's all shades of gray in a sense yeah that's definitely an interesting take on it i've always when making characters myself i found a table at one point that described um good characters as more more focused on other people and their like wants and needs and evil characters as focused more on themselves, which I think is a good way to play into like the gray and still make a round character. Like you're not thinking about if they would necessarily like kill or loot bodies. You're thinking of, oh, am I more focused on me or am I more focused on like the people around me? But moving on. Um, I am actually out of questions that I prepared myself. So does anyone have any questions for me? When do we get to meet Damien's children or daughter? That is a good question. You'll have to see about that one. It may be coming. This is how all questions to you are going to go. Ruba needs a sister. I don't know, Nathan. Do you want Ruba to have a sister? Yeah, he's got He's got to meet his new sister. He got his dad now. <laughs> oh gosh that'll be an interesting conversation to explore it's like i'll just roll up and be like cool so we got the same dad <laughs> what lisa appears and is just like doll what have you what have you gotten yourself into <laughs> why the hell does this guy think you're his da she's gonna think we're scammers and we scammed her old man <laughs> what let's just say 
it's been a wild ride, and there were fairies and all kinds of other crazy shit involved that you will never believe. Oh, we scammed the hell out of her dad. <laughs> scammed him out Damien of his has love. paid for a lot of shit for you guys, now that I think about it. That's just because he's responsible, not because we're assholes. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I do have a, a query. Uh, just a curiosity, I suppose. Now that um, with last session, having learned a bit more about Santhavec as an entity, it's almost humanized her a bit and made it so she's like more of a creature, not like this, like more of a person. Not so like she this scary sucks. Thing. <laughs> yeah, so she sucks. I hate her. Uh, <laughs> but... How, when I gave you the idea of Sandvek, would you, how did, how did you like get from what I gave you, um, like, how'd you come up with, um, having her be the ex-wife of this goddess of like law and justice? Um, if that doesn't, if answering doesn't reveal too much, cause I don't know everything about her. Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. So not to reveal too much, to be honest, I didn't start with that idea. That idea came to me. It was really funny because I was actually at work at my day job and I was sitting there like working, jamming out to some music. And then like I was thinking about the campaign and because I've from the beginning, I had wanted to give each and every one of you some sort of connection to the gods, especially since like the main storyline that's not necessarily tied into your backstories revolves so heavily around the gods and this impending war that's coming up. Um, I wanted to get you guys involved like backstory wise a little bit as well. And so it felt like Chatwin had so much going on with everything that you gave me there that it felt fair to be like, okay, I'm not going to put this god craziness on Chatwin because that's just another... That's another thing. That's another insane layer to add to an already insane backstory that I have so much to work with. But the the origin of Santhavec was left entirely untouched. Geo was like, this is your domain. Please come up with something cool. And it just came to me, like, I had always intended for her to be a bit of, like, a a strange line, because she is very cold and calculated at times, but um, she has been stuck in the head of Chatwin for a very long time at this point, and has come to care for her in some weird, twisted way that only Santhavec can achieve, Hence why she immediately stepped in when Thamoros started to try and like turn on her. She was like, ah, 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 you deal with me. You don't deal with the girl whose body I'm inhabiting. <laughs> like, But it was funny because it just, it honestly just came to me at work while I was thinking about like, huh, what do I do with Chatwin? And then this scene just popped into my head that I will be bringing up later. So I'm not going to talk exactly about what's in the scene but the, a scene with the two of them like together and talking and being in the relationship together just popped into my head and I was like like I literally stopped for a minute like stopped working and was just kind of like absorbed in my thoughts and I was like I don't know where this came from 
but this image in my head is terrifying and makes sense at the same time. So, like, I immediately grabbed a sticky note and wrote it down and was like, I'm going to be adding that into the lore later. Thank you. <laughs> Some writers have shower thoughts. I have work thoughts. <laughs> and sometimes stories tell themselves. Yeah, that too. Very true, especially in D&D, whenever you have, you know, a collection of other minds working at doing things that you're like, huh, ah, that's a good idea. <laughs> like when I used to sit in Discord while you guys would, you know, conspiracy theory. We knew it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's interesting. I don't know what I expected. Like you said, I left it completely up to you. I was just like, here's this creature. Have fun. Uh <laughs> So I don't know what I expected. It definitely wasn't that, but I'm into it. I'm into it. And I learned a lot without her even telling me, like giving me straight answers. Because as Chatwin said, now I know where to look if I want more answers. And that will definitely be interesting seeing like the full scope of how deep Chatwin dives into the life of Santhavec. I'm going to dive deep. My goggles are on. <laughs> I, w- I was going to say, I'm now going to change my, my answer. The, my favorite part is the uh, Santa Effect alarm clock. <laughs> Chatlin. Wake up, Chatlin. To- hey, just a little. Mm. <laughs> Chatlin, wake up. It's time to get up. <laughs> it's terrible. It's time to greet some morning. You must wake up. Chatvin. <laughs> Every time I hear Chatvin, it's I'm like, oh, this bitch. <laughs> I forgot about it until now, and I'm like, oh, that's my favorite part. I, I should record that for you, and you should make that your actual alarm clock. <laughs> Please, I will do it 100%, and then while we're recording, I'll just have it go off. <laughs> We'll we'll, re- we'll release this on Patreon as a like a low tier reward. Just the Santhavec alarm clock for everyone. <laughs> the Santhavec alarm clock ringtone, amazing! I'll just record thirty seconds of Santhavec just being like, "Get up, you lazy bitch!" <laughs> Perfection. It'll be fantastic. This is amazing. Please do this. <laughs> They're so badly. I just want to say that I have time to get that. <laughs> can't help it. If people want it that badly, I will do it. Tell us on social media if you want the Santa Beckering tone and I'll do it. <laughs> I have a few more questions. I'll let somebody else go first if they have one. I do have one that's, that, you know, you, you inspired Gia. Um, so Emma, so for Horikosh, did you, what came first? His personality slash ideas or seeing how Thale 2 treated them. So I'm, I'm curious if, if you had planned for no matter what, that Horkosh will be the antithesis, or not antithesis, but the the distorting, in a way, of what Thale 2 believes, or was he always like that, and I, have, I, the player, have crafted my own separation? Wait, can I cut in before I have my answers? Sure. Aren't, aren't all gods just an antithesis of the creation in our minds? That's That's an interesting point. Possibly in a way, yeah. So to answer your question, Andrew, um, as far as that happened, you kind of created your own antithesis because I kind of had the ideas of like what these gods were like, like base personalities in my head. And it was kind of a th- always a thought from the beginning. Like I mentioned this to I don't remember who I was talking to about it, but 
fun fact, part of why Horikosh is the way he is, is like he's very practical. He thinks of things very methodically. And most of his focus for like the entirety of his godhood has been on time, not really space. And Felthu has this very... You, for Thelthu, came up with such a specific ideology of this one particular portion of space that it was, like, it was really interesting, like, thinking about how Horikosh would react to having, like, this little niche group, like, off to the side of, like, his very broad perspectives on things. And my first thought with that was he wouldn't know really how to categorize that. (laughs) how to feel like that niche exactly fits him, which was kind of what inspired the question that he asked of why, of all the things that I represent, why choose me for the stars? Which created a very interesting moment between the two of them. Character development for a a god NPC character, question mark? I would say so. Yeah, I could see it in a way. Or you can go the opposite way and just say that it's insignificant of what they believe as long as they believe in him kind of thing is another avenue. But yeah, yeah. And that and that is the question that ultimately we will have to find out is does Horikosh care more about belief in him or belief in the things that he's created? Speaking of the gods and their creation and things. So uh, I knew some of Rubo's backstory. But like, uh, and where this was going, but did, did you create Ru- or like have the idea that Rubo would be replaced like, or would have been replaced by, um, Amoros or like from the start, or was that something you fleshed out through Rubo's actions in the game? That has been planned from the start. We talked about this idea of you playing an Asimar and the only like and the way that that fit into the world being through the angels because Nathan and I had this conversation when he built Rubo the angels are essentially Asimars and the only Asimars that exist within the world of Kriath at this point in time the only way for him to have sort of been like a fallen angel and not really remember it was for him to have actually been an angel And that kind of sparked this sort of idea that that was sort of the idea that I based a lot of my lore of why the gods are coming into conflict again. Or like Amoros said, like, Odirian noticed and has been making it known to everyone else that, hey, this is not the same angel that I've been going up against this whole time. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that I was just kind of curious because I feel like the tenets, whatever you would call what they look like, kind of look over fit Rubo very well. And I just didn't know if that was something you had already thought of, or if it was more like maybe you had another one in mind originally. And then the way Rubo played out, you, you kind of stuck to it. No, cause we had talked about kind of like, Um, I don't think you necessarily framed it exactly the way that you talked about his goals in the one episode where they were talking to the Fae, but it had been made very clear from the beginning that Rubo was someone 
seeking connection, like meaningful connection with other people, whether it be in platonic relationships or the romantic relationship he doesn't really know he's seeking at the moment. Well, I, I think I like it's it's interesting because I always like had this idea for Rubo that he was a very like broken person who didn't know what he wanted, where he came from. And like, he was kind of figuring it out along the way. The only thing he really lived for before was survival. And, and like, I had the idea, but in the, and in the same breath, I didn't know how to play it out. And then through the game, I've been able to actually determine like how that creates like a living and breathing human, not just an idea in my head. And it's definitely been interesting to see how the party brings that out of Rubo too. Yeah, I think that uh, it, it's interesting because I think Rubo could be very different with an entirely separate party. Like if everyone wouldn't be playing the characters they are, uh, but I was specifically playing the Rubo I had in mind when we started, you would probably be very different. Definitely. And it'll be interesting to see how he grows further as we start arc three. And with that, I think we're going to go ahead and bring this Q&A to a close for now. Uh, so thank you, everyone who listened to our shenanigans and our questions and the fun answers that came out of it. Uh, if you enjoyed listening to us, please be sure to head over to our social media and give us a follow. We are Chronicles of Kriath Pod, all one word and lowercase, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you want more in-depth Q&As like this with questions asked by all of you, plus other awesome rewards, uh, head over to our Patreon and subscribe. Now, since this is sort of our midpoint in the campaign, we've all decided that we kind of need a bit of a rest to recuperate and make sure that we are energized and pumped up and ready to finish this off with a bang now that everything is getting interesting. So... We are going to be taking a brief two-month hiatus from this campaign in particular. However, we are going to be releasing a little mini-series that Nathan has DM'd called Down the Loophole, which is a Tales from the Loop adventure. That will be releasing on a bi-weekly basis and will be keeping you guys occupied until we return on December 4th. So if sci-fi isn't necessarily your thing, no problem. Just keep an eye out for December 4th when the first episode of Arc 3 makes its return. Thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate you guys and we can't wait to come back with this story and finish it up for you all. But in the meantime, we will see you next time. Bye! 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 Goodbye, everyone. Bye!